On February 24th, 2020, a date in Los Angeles we referred to as 22420, after the jersey numbers of Gianna Bryant, Kobe Bryant, and the number of seasons Kobe played for the Los Angeles Lakers, I was fortunate enough to attend the memorial for Kobe and Gianna at Staples Center. In this episode, we take a Sports Stories unique look at a celebration of life, and we bring you part three of our interview with Laker broadcaster Chris McGee. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan, one that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians. First, a note this introduction is being recorded the day after the Celebration of Life Memorial for Kobe and Gianna Bryant. I attended that uh, with Sports Stories lead researcher and lifelong Laker fan, Teresa Dolan. Uh, Chris McGee, the Laker broadcaster, who's our guest today, was also there. He worked the event for Sportsnet, the regional network that carries the Lakers. This is the third and final installment of our interview with Geeter. I want to remind viewers and listeners that the interview with Geeter was recorded three days prior to the helicopter accident. Okay, the producer today is Marley Rice, also a lifelong Laker fan. Hi, Marley. Hi, guys. Just a reminder to everyone out there, you can also watch these on YouTube where we have pictures and videos that go along with these amazing stories. This one in particular is especially great as we have original footage of the memorial that Denny and Teresa got to attend. So this introduction's not easy, uh, most of all because it ties into being a husband and a father. Kobe was doing both of those especially well when he died on January 26th. The last public memorial I attended in Los Angeles was about 10 years ago, uh, in 2010, and it was for another basketball legend, UCLA coach John Wooden. That, of course, was expected given that coach was 99 years old. Uh, this, of course, was not expected. Kobe was only 41. I coached basketball in both middle and high school for over 35 years. Uh, Marley was on a few of those teams, and there are two things that all my teams knew. Who was the greatest coach ever, Marley? John Wooden. Yep, and the greatest pro franchise ever? The Los Angeles Lakers. That's right. Um, so for as long as I can remember, I've loved the Lakers. As a child, I followed that 1972 team that won the NBA championship, the first for the franchise in Los Angeles. As a teenager and into my years as a young adult, it was the Showtime Lakers. Winning five NBA championships in the 1980s. And then as a family man, it was the Kobe Lakers who won five more titles in the 2000s. Between 1980 and 2010, the Lakers played in 16 NBA Finals and won 10 championships. This city is a Lakers city. It was exactly because I'd become a husband and a father as Kobe rose to stardom in the pros that I had conflicted and complicated feelings about Kobe. By the late 90s, Kobe was my son Vaughn's favorite player. Vaughn wore number eight and played imaginary games on the backyard hoop. Vaughn and I watched Kobe pull off a 360 dunk at Staples. My wife Christine and I would yell at the TV and plead with Kobe to save us and pull out another victory for their Lakers. But how is it that this player, as great as he was, had millions in this city mourning and paying tributes across the Southland? It's unlike anything this city's seen. 
The 20,000 mourners that assembled yesterday to line up and enter into Staples for the memorial were dressed like they were going to a playoff game, but they were solemn and respectful and everybody was feeling together. The scene was surreal, especially with the helicopters hovering above. Bill Plasky is a columnist for the LA Times. He'll tell you this is a Laker town. Plasky is the voice of LA when it comes to sports. Uh, he's been named Sports Columnist of the Year seven times, and he has a handle on just how important the Lakers are to LA. Plasky wrote two articles recently, one on Sunday, the day before the memorial, and one today, the day after. Plasky wrote, What is it about Kobe Bryant's loss that affected so many different people so dramatically? Far from the type of icon normally mourned by millions, Kobe Bryant was but a basketball player. Maybe it's because, for better or worse, over nearly a quarter of a century, this basketball player was ours. For a generous portion of our lives, Bryant reflected the city's work ethic, mirrored its toughness, mimicked its drama, matched its glitz. He set an NBA record by playing 20 years for one team in one town, the most popular team, and he did so with a narrative arc that was equal parts Hacienda Heights and Hollywood. He represented something for everyone because he was human as anyone. The most famous frailty-ridden sports star in the city's history and together, we rode his wave. Inside, Staples looked like it never looked before. The 24 by 24 foot stage, the roses, the lighting, it was all just right. Uh, the speakers of the event were spot on. And what came through most was a tribute to Kobe as a man after he retired. The girl dad was, to me, a more impressive man than he was a basketball player, and that is saying something. Most impressive of the speakers was Vanessa Bryant. I go back to Plasky, who wrote in today's uh, LA Times. For two decades, Kobe Bryant owned the Staples Center court with courage under pressure. For seven minutes Monday morning, Vanessa Bryant did the same. Where he once amazingly flew, she stood strongly still. Where he once pumped a fist in triumph, she clutched a tissue in survival. But with the same determined grace her late husband repeatedly showed in virtually the same mid-court spot she stood, she pushed through the pain to share intimate stories of laughter and love. Earlier in their marriage, their relationship endured a tough time that included Bryant's public confession of cheating, a sexual assault charge that was eventually dropped, and a divorce filing by Vanessa that was later withdrawn. To hear her speak of him in such glowing terms was powerful and healing. It completed the narrative that Brian's life had a fulfilling second chapter. It delivered a compelling message about the strength of forgiveness. I was moved by Alicia Keys playing Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, a song Kobe taught himself to play for Vanessa. That's just incredible. Um, Alicia, who grew up without a father in Hell's Kitchen, made a beautiful statement without uttering a word. I was also inspired by Oregon's uh, women's basketball player, Sabrina Ionescu. Um, Kobe and Gianna had forged a really close relationship with her. She gave a very moving tribute, and part of what she said was this, I want to be part of the generation that changed basketball. Where being born female didn't mean being born behind. Where greatness wasn't divided by gender. Then she pulled an ultimate Kobe. Sabrina, emotionally drained and ignoring the fact that she had the flu, hopped on a plane for Stanford, notched her NCAA record 26 career triple-double, 
She also became the first ever collegiate player, no gender division here, to record 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 1,000 assists in a career. I'm going to conclude with another quote from the great Bill Plaschke. In retirement, his impact didn't diminish. It only changed. He was still here, still that wallpaper. Only now, his competitiveness was not only about winning basketball games, but improving the world. He became a champion of women's empowerment, an anonymous philanthropist. In losing him, Los Angeles lost a bit of its soul. And so we grieve, and we remember. And perhaps, through this pain, we will grow. For the drop this week, I present the performers and speakers from the celebration of life. Jimmy Kimmel, Beyonce Knowles, Vanessa Bryant, Diana Taurasi, Sabrina Ionescu, Gino Ariema, Rob Palinka, Alicia Keys, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, and Christina Aguilara. Now it's time for Laker broadcaster Chris McGee, who made us all so proud with his anchoring of this tragedy from the day of the accident to the memorial a month later. Let's show the pre-interview shot one more time, basically because he hit it under pressure just like Kobe would have. So from the 7428 studio in the shadow of LAX, here is part three of a three-part interview with Laker broadcaster Chris Geeter McGee. Please note that this interview with Chris McGee was recorded January 23rd, 2020, three days prior to the death of Kobe Bryant and eight others. Um, so wait, around this time now, you're you're married? Got married in 04. But 04? Okay. Started dating Jess in 2000. So I had a couple years of announcing. I mean, I was 26. Under your belt. Yeah. 27. It was then when I went to a class in 99 at Santa Monica City College with Lou Riggs. Uh-huh. So I started TV at 28 years old. I love that you were a Corsair for a short time. Yeah, I mean, I was... Where? The Corsairs. Santa Monica College? Yeah. Sam, that's their name? The Corsairs? Yeah. Of course you know that. Uh-huh. Um, well, I went. I went there for ten years. Yeah. I got. I put <laughs> in my ten years. Got my associate arts. Dude, degree. I was the oldest guy in the class. Me, Lee Legrand, and Dane Blanton, another oh, volleyball boy. names. We went to that. Took a little broadcasting class. And it so, set me on my way. Something about um, that hit me too. I heard you talking somewhere, um, and it's another thing where I was like, "Yep, that's exactly what I tell those that are starting yeah. families. Always say yes to your kids when they want to play. Yeah, like, don't be the one who drives them into the sport. Don't make sure. Don't be yeah. the one who puts all the pressure. But the second they say, hey, you want to go pepper? Hey, do you want to go play? Yeah. No matter what your situation is, yes. you, your answer is? Yeah. That was always my rule is like if they want to bump or pepper, mm-hmm. they call it bumping and they're little, you know, you want to mm-hmm. bump the ball? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and, and but I would do, I would do some funny things like, uh, you know, I'd be here. Did you introduce him? No, I'd see like, I'd see, I'd see Millie down the halls when she was younger and I'd just kind of like roll the ball. <laughs> Pretend I didn't, and all of a sudden the ball would be there, and she'd see it, be like, "Daddy, you want to bump? Sure, let's go." So you know, there's a way you can, uh, you know, you kind of uh, I used manipulate to, uh, the situation. I, I think I told the story in the uh, podcast that just aired recently. Um, my son Vaughn, when he was little, yeah. loved wrestling, and he would put on a Hawaiian shirt, but he'd keep yeah. it open, and he called himself Tropical Storm. Oh he'd go, "Dad, God. Dad, introduce me," and then he would go out. And then I would go through this long introduction. Yeah. And now welcome to the front room. That's so tropical. And then he would fight some pillow for a while. Now, but it's these the kind way, of things that you want your children. You don't want to push your children into the, yeah. you have to win and be great at this. You want to push them into this is fun. Wasn't Vaughn a stud volleyball player? Oh, yeah. 
He was really good. Loyola? Uh, Loyola won a couple titles there. Yeah, and then, right? Then UC San Diego. UC San Diego. He um, destroyed BYU for like uh, um, a national record, or at the time, UCSD record amount of kills. Was um, Vaughn? Got National Player of the Week. The whole where thing. did I see Vaughn playing recently? Uh, oh, I'll tell you where we were. Playing golf, probably. No. Because he's in commercial real estate. So no, I thought we were at the beach. Does he go down to Del Mar in September yeah. with the bullies? I, yes, he probably We does. all played a game. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, so I, I just liked hearing that. You know, um, it sounds – one of the things I'd always say to my kids when I was coaching them it, when they'd ask about the game is you want me to talk like a dad or like a coach. Oh, I like that. So I gave them the power to – and as a dad, my point was be a good team member. Have good yeah, sportsmanship. That's good. But then as a coach, it's like, yeah, I would have taken you out too. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it sounds like you've strode that line, although there's a couple of us that are Getting in tougher. the room, including my producer, who might notice that there's this one parent on the exclusive and elite AAU beach volleyball tour that might come into the tent to check out the seeds. By the see way, who's do you know how many I've fixed? None. I have fixed two in my lifetime, both last year, back-to-backers. Mm. Uh, mm. One was USA Volleyball. Of course. They did it wrong. Mm. I knew it. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do? Mm. Lay back and you, let it play. Nope. Told Send them your daughter to, in to make the change. So, yeah. So the la- And then one time I had to go to Christine. Mm. It wasn't Well, Christine was sitting there, I believe. And I was like, they had us third in the pool, and we were first in the pool. Love it. So. Okay, that's it's, fair. It's it's good for you. It's different. I, I, just, I, I mean, I, I to like me, I'm like, but they had us losing a game instead of winning. The girl, you know, it's a 10 year, 11 year old girl wrote down the wrong score. So I'm like, God, how are we? So I had to go say like, what? And I just showed, oh, actually first. So, mm. you know, definitely. Um, it's a curse. And it, your daughter, it's a curse knowing what bracket's going to, I, I, I know it before everybody else. Your it's daughter, amazing. daughter carries on uh, traits, if not curses, in, in the pregame <laughs> meetings. She has plenty to say about lots of things. Um, so uh, 2006, 2008, that whole yeah. range, you start getting play-by-play jobs? How did, um, how, how did you make the transition that, actually, from an MC guy yeah. to a play-by-play guy? How did, how did that happen? So in 2000, 2001, I'm starting to get some play-by-play stuff with CSTV, which is now CBS College Sports, doing like a women's basketball game, a lot mm-hmm. of women's volleyball, 2002, 2003. 2004, Fox Sports West names me the play-by-play for women's volleyball Pac-10. Mm. Did that for a year. Then, I, then the next year they're giving me high school football. So I was the high school football play-by-play. So then all of a sudden that's when the ball starts rolling. So I would say okay. oh. Five is when it oh four oh five balls rolling by oh six. Now it's really rolling. Sideline reporting, um, a lot of play by play, and it was two thousand six that I quit my athletic director teaching job. Got it. And you were eighty at what school? Uh, Wildwood. At Wildwood. Yeah, uh, I think I remember that. So okay. I left, and I was thirty five years old. Mm. Basically said I'm doing TV full time at thirty five. Way to go. Yeah, that's following. It was definitely that's, that's a leap of faith. A, yep. Leap of faith, man. I get that. I mean, I get it. Talk about betting on yourself, mm-hmm. or, or I don't know. I don't know if it's stupid I'm in or not. The same world, right it worked, now. but yeah, it's uh, it was it was like I said, a lot of I had a lot of you know at that time, you know Fox Sports had had Pac-10, they had the Dodgers, they had the Angels, they had the Lakers, they had the Clippers. So there was tons to do, and I was on one of their guys that they used for everything. Mm. So I got a lot of gigs, and then ESPN, I started doing some stuff. CBS College Sports, there's. A, all of a sudden, the Longhorn Network starts in 2011, and I have an in because Jarrett's the coach. So I was doing everything, anything I could. What led to the Laker job? How did you, how, how did that leapfrog there? 
So they started their own network, Time Warner Cable Sports at the time, started a new regional sports network, Mm -hmm. um, and they left Fox Sports. And I was full-time when it happened with Fox West. Okay. And in that time, they started kind of recruiting me a little bit, and I was maybe more going to leave and do sideline for the Lakers. Um, little did I know that they were ever never really going to offer me because they didn't think I would leave a big job to go just sideline. Mm. I didn't know that. My bosses told me later. And you've always been a Laker fan. Always been a Laker fan, so I was like, oh, my God, oh, this could be a huge opportunity. So I was kind of meeting with them on the side. And then all of a sudden, uh, whoever they were, you know, the network was going to start October 1st. This is in July. Whoever they were looking what, what, at. What year, Gator? Uh, 2012. Okay. Whoever they were looking at to be the host and the anchor, it fell through. And in that meeting, there were six people. And one of the guys was a guy named Jared Stacy, who just left our company. And he and I had worked together. And he just told the story when he left the company. He went over to Amazon to start the sports department. He, um, he, he told the story at his going away thing. And he talked about how relationships throughout the business are important. And how he and I were doing games on ESPN2 in the dead of winter in Idaho State versus who knows who, Utah State. The Vandals. And I would be the play-by-play with Holly McPeak as my analyst, and Jarrett was producing. And he's in that meeting, and he goes, Chris McGee can do that job. And all those guys were like, yeah. And they called Tim Harris at the Lakers because Tim was a big advocate of mine. They said, well, what would you think of Geeter for the hosting anchor job instead of sideline? And Tim said, absolutely. Next thing you know, I got a text from Tim saying, how would you like to be the face of the network instead? More money, no travel, happy wife. I was literally in Tahoe on a trip in July, and I was like, ah! and it just started. we all started celebrating. That's how I got wow. the job. By the, way, by the way, I hadn't done studio, but what do you say? You yes. say yes. You say yes. And well-deserved because, you know, you've... <clears throat> it's like when people go, wow, that comic actor can do drama. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course you can do that. You've done, in effect, that in a, in a roundabout exactly. way for a long time. It's acting. You find a way to do it. And, and then you it. come in yeah. and... Um, so, so now I've you're a lot. getting to sit lot, yeah. with some of these guys that are yeah. you, uh, the guys like I mean, D Fish. That's the thing on. that you'll probably and James Worthy understand the most is these guys that we loved wow. in, in the '80s and the '70s, and you know, I'll never forget. I, I tell this story all the time to, to to kids. I was on the we had this couch, and it was early, probably a month into the network, and on set was James, Byron, <laughs> Kareem. And Rambus. Wow. And I'm doing like a talk with them. And my phone at the time, I had it in my pocket, and it was vibrating. Texts were going. People were watching and texting, and it was pretty funny. And I'll never forget, because I had a commercial break, and I look, and I see my brother's text, and it said, if I would have told you at 12 years old that you'd be sitting with <laughs> those guys, Worthy, Kareem. Jeez. Oh, it was Magic, my favorite. It wasn't Rambus. And, and, and Magic, who was my all-time, he goes, you would have pissed your pants. Yeah. And I'm like, that amazing. So I've always told that You're story. You're like, I'm like, pissing my pants. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was amazing. Did, did, did also come with that, did the Galaxy come with that as well? So, that, yeah, because like they're part of the network. Sparks part of the network. So okay. I had to learn how to, how to host uh, soccer, something um, I never played. How, was it tough going about. through the down years? <clears throat> yeah, brutal. You're the first face they see. Mm-hmm for all these losing seasons mm-hmm. and Twitter's coming of age mm. and message boards and things I didn't really know about. And all of a sudden people are calling you a hack and people are mm-hmm. MF and you and you know, people also are saying nice things, but there's things out there yeah. and uh, you start to go, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Like I'm a Lake fan. You know what I mean? So 
uh, I had to really get through a lot of that, wearing it emotionally on air and learning how to get through that. And then when Luke was the coach, who's also a good friend of mine, and he's getting hammered and people are coming after, uh, I had to really – last year was tough on me. Mm-hmm. Really, really tough. Because LeBron took effect came, on, and then – Yeah, and it was just a brutal year. He gets hurt, and mm-hmm. everyone's blaming everybody and firing all the rumors and – uh, magic steps away, and it was just a brutal time. And I literally, like, it, 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 my wife, I'll never forget talking last season. Like, she's like, "You're, you're wearing this too much. Like, it's affecting you at home." And I'll never forget. It was April 9th. I stopped tweeting. I stopped. The Lakers were done, and I walked away for a couple. I, I, I did the shows, and I, yeah. but I stopped being emotionally. I, I, I detached a little bit emotionally, and I came back this season, and I've never felt like this before. I'm clear-headed. I'm not. Focused on wins or loss, I'm, I'm just calling. I'm just calling what I see. I'm happy either way. Of course, I want them to win. Don't get me sure. wrong. They're 35 and nine. It's like yeah. the greatest thing ever. It's it's the easiest job in the world, and they're winning, and everyone's watching now. The you know, ratings are sky high. But it, it was a mindset that that changed for me. When those um, things were going in the wrong direction, how much yeah. of it are you a journalist, and how much are you restricted? In other words, can you comment yeah. on Magic so, stepping away? Can that's you a do, great like great question. So, one thing about the job that I have is you have to remember I am, we are partners with yeah. the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Now they aren't the ones that pay me; the network pays me. Right. Those are my bosses, but we're partners with but them by proxy. Yeah, and and you know, my job is to tell the truth, but also spin things in a good. You know, I'm I'm, I'm always going to try to find the the positives and things, and that's just me by nature anyway. But when mm-hmm. they're losing, and and they're winning 18 games, you got to also tell the truth. Mm-hmm. So so I did a pretty good job of that. Um, I always thought navigating through that. I don't. I think at the beginning it was hard, but we learned our way of how to have fun and tell the truth, be critical without hammering. Sure. Um, so yeah, that that time. By the way, didn't do one radio request. Mm. I shut everybody down. Not one TV request. I didn't do one thing on the Lakers. Didn't tweet. Didn't give an opinion mm-hmm. from April 9th until until uh, until training camp started. Wow. I stayed away. So you, you, your head got clear. By the way, it was the best thing ever. Like, what what was I going to say on, on the radio? Mm-hmm. Only thing I could say would get me fired. Like, uh, only thing I could do is make a mistake. Say something that maybe someone hears and goes, mm. that didn't sound. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? I mean, I was frustrated. I was, you know, like, you know, my friend had been, it was gone. Also, Luke was gone, and, and the Lakers were in turmoil, and I had opinions, but... I also said, like, dude, this is not my job to to, to give an opinion on that. That's it really isn't. Mm-hmm. So step away. And I did. One of the things and now it's now it's a blast. Hey guys, this is Marley, and I'm the producer. I finally got these guys to shut up for a second so we could do a commercial. Of all the tequila joints in all the towns in all the world, you need to walk into Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, a proud sponsor of Sports Stories. When Carlos Haro Jr., the manager of Casablanca, was a young man. He made his mark in Venice at St. Mark's School, where he led his team to several championships and was named the 1990 Athlete of the Year. As his coach in those days, whenever Carlos would score a hoop in basketball, I would immediately call for the team to play it again, Carlos. We even had one play called, Here's Looking at You, Carlos, where we deceived the defense by making it look like we are going to give it to Carlos, then dropped it in to Big Daddy Jeff Flores for the bucket. As time goes by, you'll want to round up the usual suspects and head to Casablanca Restaurant in Venice. Mention sports stories with Denny Lennon to either Carlos Sr. or Carlos Jr. and get a free dessert. Sports stories in Casablanca Restaurant in Venice? I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
I often um, do is, because uh, I've seen you there, is go to these hot yogas. And, yeah, you know, buddy. across the country don't always understand, but it's like 115-degree room. Yeah, it's and awesome. And you're lifting weights in there and yeah, you're doing this thing. So but fun. I went to one, and you're there, and so yeah. is Luke Walton. Yeah. And there comes a point where the, the instructor will go, okay, you know. Yeah. Um, so how do your neighbor or high yeah. five your neighbor? And most of the time, nobody does. Yeah. They just kind of like stand yeah. down. And both of you like lit the room up. <laughs> like you turned around, and you're That's like high fiving three people. And Luke was acting like such a coach. Oh, yeah. He's Luke's like, a hey, good job. Good yeah, job yeah, over yeah. there. He's I was like, wow, this is way He's better actually really fun to work out. the announcer and coach so of the fun. Lakers. He really is a great guy. Yeah. And it's awesome. That's yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. You guys lit the room up. I was like, we got the announcer and the coach uh, of the I'll Lakers. I high five my neighbors today. That's funny you said that. So. Today's sports. Yeah. You're watching your daughter yeah. and you're watching um and you can look at it from your perspective. Daughters, even my little ones your starting daughters. To play stuff. Yeah. Luca. Um single sport athletes. Yeah. It's a it's a tough time to be, I think, on some levels a young athlete because you get so much adult pressure yeah. to focus on one sport. Bums me out. And there's a downside to it, which is that overuse syndrome. Bums me out. And and then there's the downside mentally. Yeah. And and how do you you know, how do you go about this with your youngsters, let well, alone you 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 know, you're in a position to speak to it. Luca still plays basketball. She's in third grade. Millie quit hoops after mm. fourth, quit soccer after fourth mm. and went straight because now there's beach and indoor and it's like it bummed me out, I'll be honest with you, on, on a little bit of a level because I just miss it. I yeah. miss having those other sports, but it's crazy. It was like that's what she wanted to do, and there's not enough time to do them all. It's crazy now. So, like, you know, I, I didn't know the beach would hit like this where yeah. it yeah. becomes all summer, there's major tournaments, and it affects your travel schedule. With your it's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, our lives last couple of years have been built around – and it's 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 insane, really, to think about it like that. So it it is, you hit it on the head. There's some there's some downsides to it, and it's funny. Like, you know, I have girls that I know that are training three doors a week, three days a week indoor, two three days a week beach, and I'm like, and they're like, well, how come Millie's not in a beach club yet? And I'm like, because she's playing indoor club, and she plays tournaments on the weekends, or she'll train yeah. once in a while with Patty or Holly or whatever, and. uh it's cool. She's twelve. It's it's an, like it's an interesting landscape out there because yeah. I think what eventually has to happen is um, there's already plenty of data in yeah. on the overuse syndrome. Yep. But it, it seems like there's almost going to have to be a generation that grows up from being yeah, overused, overused that then stops the next generation from being overused I because know, that's really what it is. They're wearing down you know those muscles that I, they use. Repetitively. I don't want my oldest to burn out. Too many ribs. It it scares me, and, you know, I want it to still be fun, and so I I battle back and forth with it because, like, where do you draw the line on a lesson or a private or a semi or something because she wants to go? I I don't know. It's I battle with it, and you you guys are in it, and and you see it. AAU tournaments, CBVAs, whatever. Like, you guys see it more than anybody. We're in the hotbed of it. So for people that listen to this outside of Southern California – it's, well, it's, you it's, would understand uh, football in Texas. You it, would understand basketball yes, in Indiana at a young Kentucky, age. At that young age, like because because you're in pads at five years old in in, in Texas. It's like little you know, league, man. People yeah. are out there, and the parents are, yeah. and they're so, fighting for partners. But and, out here, yeah, and, and out here in Southern California, it's a it's volleyball. It's volleyball. It's volleyball you know, for girls especially. It's for girls especially, and, and it's it's a lot of parents that are like, you know, where we live in a society where it's like you want you want everything now. I want to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Oh, this person's training. I've had so many. Oh, my God, they're training here. She looks so good. And I'm like, I try to tell these parents. I'm always like, guys, like, everyone develops differently. 
uh, you improve at your own rate. Like she's right. been playing a year, so she's obviously going to have a huge jump. Like you know what I mean? It's hard to explain. So I guess I'm kind of over trying to yeah. educate so many family fr- uh, friends of our family where I just go, I can't do it anymore. You have a unique perspective in that you've probably interviewed and certainly have had yeah. multiple conversations with Kobe. Yeah, and for you're sure. close with Karch, Cry. Yeah, and these are two. Um, unbelievably yeah. transcendent players in their respective sports, but they both played a lot of sports growing up. Carrie, too. And Carrie, too. I look at Carrie. Yeah. Carrie loved so baseball, he, played hoops. Right. Played hoops in high school. And that's something. <sighs> but also, there wasn't the beach thing really for them back then, like too much. And that's, yeah. you know, I got, you would talk to Butch, you know, and he'll say, Butch May, for those that don't know, that's Misty May Trainer's father. And Butch was a great volleyball mind and coach and his mm-hmm. wife. And they, Barbara, they raised her on the courts. And, you know, but it's funny. Butch is like, she doesn't have any really medals from 12 years old. There also wasn't that many opportunities. No, there wasn't. So you're, you're, you're playing in adult tournaments. Millionaire Friends played in 30 tournaments probably in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you count AAU, <laughs> CBVA, All of them. Yeah. ABP, yep. it's a lot of tournaments. Speaking of a tournament, yeah, one that's a lot of fun that's unique to Southern California yep. is the Manhattan, what's known uh-huh. as the Manhattan Six Man, uh-huh. right? Um, so that's beach volleyball, and it's adult. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. It used to be a lot more adult than it Man, is, is now. It the now there's a junior one. Moving down on it, but yeah. tell, tell the uh, listeners a little bit about Team Fletch. Team Fletch started in 1995, mm-hmm. and... Um, it was a group of friends from this area, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Santa Monica, the Palisades. Uh, and it was really just a group of guys that kind of some grew up together, some played college together. And then we kind of came from different walks of life. And we created Team Fletch because we all loved the movie Fletch. Mm-hmm. We were all boys. And uh, <laughs> the Six Man is a tournament it, unlike any other if you want to Google it and YouTube it because you dress up in outfits. Right. So our outfits, because we all love the Lakers, was Team Fletch. Remember in the dream sequence, the dream he's, sequence. he's a Laker uh-huh. with the fro. Yeah. So we all wore Afros and Laker jerseys. So and good. it just started as like a group of us and it just grew. And and, and, and you grew. got some good players. And so we won, so so you won be five, late five, and we've won five titles. Everybody be watching you in 20 late. years. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And Luke Walton will play for you. And then as, as it grew, so. Luke came over, Richard Jefferson, we started yes. getting NBA guys. Pete Carroll was on our team for a while. <laughs> I mean, Kurt Rambis, that's James so Worthy. That's so fun. Yeah. Um, no, I wanted to make sure that got in. There's um, there's something I do want to yeah. explore. It's it's things like the Manhattan Six Man, mm-hmm. the Gillis, what we did with the Venice Backyard Championships, things like it's that. It's a culture that, that it it really brings people Family. together. Yeah, that it, in a unique way that you know everybody remembers. Um, tell me a little about Tour de Pier. Tour de Pier is awesome. Um, Heath and Mandy Gregory, a family uh, in Manhattan Beach. Our kids go to school together. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like everybody you know, you know, touched by the disease of cancer. Mm-hmm. Mandy lost her brother, mm. and uh, they ended up starting this uh, foundation with two other families, the Hirschbergs, the Mannheims, okay. and also losing a parent and a sibling to mm. cancer. And it was seven years ago now. They had the first Tour de Pier, and it was spin bikes uh, right by the Manhattan Beach Pier with a stage with with instructors and five different hours. And you ride for one hour, so you get a team of five people, and you raise money for your bike. Okay. And each hour is a different theme, love, healing, what, whatever. And, okay. and it just has grown to this, you know, it, they made, I think, 300 grand the first year, 500 the next, 700 when I started emceeing it. 
It's the first year they cleared a million. Now they're up to two million a year. Uh, more and more people come in the community. That, that's your ten percent's a lot bigger. It's, a, it's 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 unreal. And now they do it in Seattle. That's, Last year was the first year in oh, Seattle. Oh, that's great. What a and great they story. raise money, and it is all. And but the people behind it, you know, man, it's it's a year round thing for them. I show up on the day and I show up to the board meetings and I'll help out and but they're the ones who really mm-hmm. put the time and the effort into it and get behind it and you know nope. why like, do you like, ride is like, their it, why do you ride is their campaign and it's I ride for my aunt who passed away from breast cancer I I, I ride for my brother who passed away you know it's everybody's got a story people need a spokesperson With that disease just like the venerable Lakers franchise yeah, the greatest man. in all the sports needs a spokesperson out need front it. need it they so. need it there all right so um, I'm gonna keep you for a little bit longer yep. not too much. Because I know you got to go host. We got a we got we got a pregame but show. You ready? Some mm-hmm. rapid fire questions. Love it. And then a pop culture quiz, and I'll let you choose what okay. you get. All right. So you gotcha. ready? Yep. Rapid fire. Yeah. First pet. Tiffany the dog. First car. Oh. Gold Dodge Omni. And when it died in the rain on Zelza Avenue, my sophomore year of college, the team made a card and gave it to me because the Dodge Omni was legendary. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite sports team as a kid. Lakers. Nickname is Dodgers too. Nickname as a kid. You know what? Geeter was the only nickname I ever had, and it started my uh, junior year of high school. Favorite board game. Ooh, dude, we used to play Risk. Mm, nice, that's a good pull. Yeah. Favorite main dish. Wait, I gotta go back up. Ooh. I gotta tell you something because you'll like it. Yeah. Mine, Stratomatic. Oh no, was that? Oh, no, no, no. Can I change? Do you, do you know Stratomatic? Stratomatic baseball. My brother and I played ever. my whole childhood. Hold on, Stratomatic baseball. I'm gonna do a whole no, no, investigation no, no, series. I'm done. Yeah. There, there, there should be a 30 I, 30 on Stratomatic. Me, me and a friend of mine played almost an entire season. It's we did why I know every lineup games. for the Royals, Cardinals, Dodgers, yep. and Yankees Crazy. from like 1975. We got the classic to ones with the 27 yes. Yanks and the 53 yes. Dodgers. Brilliant. Okay. I knew you'd like that. Yeah. Favorite main dish. Dude, that's you can do it. Favorite main dish. Mm-hmm. God, it's changed over the years. Um, how about this? If I'm in, if I'm, go, if they're, if they're, if they're, if they're, if they're gonna, yeah. If, if I'm, if it's my last supper, right? Exactly. Dude, I gotta go a fat steak. Oh, I, I, I don't. That's my choice. Favorite I go dessert. Fat steak with some mac and cheese. Ooh. Oh. All right. Favorite uh, dessert. Oh, mud pie. Oh, I love it. Favorite movie. <sighs> well. I mean, Fletch is up there, obviously. Hoosiers. Okay. Shawshank Redemption. I got to give you just a couple different ones. Favorite musical group? Ooh, growing up, it was uh, it was the Who and Cheap Trick. Um, now I've just really branched out. I love everyone, but I'd say like my favorite all time band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Queen, man, I loved mm. Queen growing up. All right. Favorite author? Ooh, Hemingway. Favorite professional athlete? Magic Johnson was my idol for many, 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 many years. Where'd you meet your wife? Hermosa Open, 1997. What was your first date? 2000. She ended up, she graduated Santa Barbara. She was a little young then. (laughs) She graduated Santa Barbara, started substitute teaching at Wildwood where I was at. And our first date was a triathlon. We watched the Kings Lakers, went to Good Stuff for Lunch in Manhattan Beach, went to a movie that night. What movie? Don't even know. It was okay. terrible. McGregor. Uh, Owen McGregor was in it. So was worst. <laughs> What's your favorite word? Gnarly. What's your favorite quote? When preparation meets opportunity. Mm, that's luck. That's what they call it. 
Very good. Okay, you get one of three <clears throat> of the best television shows of all time, as distinguished by the Sports Story staff. And then uh, three questions. It's either going to be the Waltons. It was on CBS from 72 to 81. Mm-hmm. Emmy's Peabody. Right. Yeah. We know the story, my, right? My favorite show is White Shadow. Second choice, Magnum P.I., which is Tom determined Stella, the course. top story. Yeah. I mean, the top show of all time. Yeah. Or The White Shadow. No way. Yeah. <laughs> White Shadow. A lot of people know. It didn't have a long run, right? No, it did not. But it did not groundbreaking. have a Groundbreaking. 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 Let's see what did I write about it. Retired yeah. pro Ken basketball Reeves. player. Takes over a predominantly black team in South, South Central Los Angeles. It's a groundbreaking drama created by... Bruce Paltrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gwyneth's dad. Gwyneth's dad. He also did, like, St. Elsewhere. Coach Reeves apparently tore his ACL with the Bulls and yeah. could never play oh, again. Wow, remember? you're beaten. Okay. Yeah, sorry. What was I... the name of the high school? Carver. Yep. Uh, for a bonus, name three of their players. Well, uh, the white guys were Salami, <laughs> Goldstein, and Gomez. And then you have Jackson, <laughs> College, Thorpe, oh, okay. Hayward. You, you scored many. <laughs> All right. What, uh, How'd NBA, I do? That's, so far, so good. What NBA team did Ken Reeves play for? Uh, Bulls. Yeah, what college? Oh, whoa! Was that ever in there? Uh-huh. Shoot! I'll give you a hint. Gosh darn it! How I'll do give I you a hint? Know the this. principal that hired him played at the S- same college S- with him. Sybil Buchanan and the other guy. Um, she was the principal after he left. Oh man! Good, good. This is solid, that's, dude. That's you bonus. may have got. I'm, I'm texting my buddies after this because I'm pissed. I don't. Can you give me like a? Is it a? Is it a Cali school? It's a Catholic school. Is it? It's not a. Oh, not a California school. Nope. St. Joe's. Boston College. Darn it! Yep. All right. What was the name of the character that played the vice president that Ken constantly clashed with? Sybil Buchanan. I mean, the vice, vice principal, rather. Sybil Buchanan was her name. And this is a tough one. Can you name her real name? No. Joan Pringle. But Darn you, it. I should you, be able Yeah. You know why? Because back then it would like right across. That's a good call by you. Man. That was, you did well. Did I do all right? That. You did well on that. Hey, this was. I love really... that you guys have that on the show. <laughs> on the, you guys you, usually I force Magnum down everybody's throat. I know you and do. And they're like, what? Dude, and, it's funny. Like, I know I wouldn't know Magnum like that. And I loved Magnum. But I don't know, man. White Shadow was. White Shadow and Fletcher. I like, had two. Of I've gone to three different for Navy guys on and asked them. Like what uh, branch of the military did Magnus serve for? And they, they, I'm like, he's your patron saint, dude. They didn't know. Well, yeah, yeah. especially the one guy who runs the heroes movement. He, and he, him, he said so he got home to Michigan and he started watching it. And he, he would start texting me. He goes, dude, I'm so in deep. I'm so I hooked. Yeah. Magnum was. Legendary. I love these guys. Hey, you're legendary. Legit. Been a that pleasure, you came guys. By. Pleasure. Super. And I made my either. jumper. Yeah, and you knocked the Marley knew exactly where I'm to put get it, it I'm a, for me. I mean, you know, right I think, my bread basket. Dude. I think uh, Bowley's in France right now watching his son play, but when he gets back. Uh, Hayden's over there. Yeah. That's awesome. So he took off for that, but when he gets back, it's going to be my first text. Geeter. You know, uh, 17 least, feet probably. At least Geeter right? hit a 17 past the, I was a little past the free throw line. <laughs> Drained it. Love you, buddy. Thank in you. motion. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So good. That was fun. Coming up next week on Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Next episode for Thursday, March 5th drop will be an interview with Rock Pillsbury, the athletic director at Sierra Canyon. Yeah, so we met up um, at Casablanca Restaurant, actually, uh, to drive down the um, 20-mile, three-hour drive maybe it took to get down there uh, to to Northridge. And we watched Sierra Canyon play, and man, are they freaking good. Oh, they're really good. Uh, multiple prospects. and the uh, I mean, they have LeBron, James, and Dwayne Wade's kids there, yeah. but they have some prospects that are, are just very significant. And not only uh, does Rock care about the boys, 
um, program. He cares about the, the girls' program. Yeah, he he works really hard with the middle school program. They've had, um, over 13 years, 12 state championships and 14 section titles. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. And, and they from have everywhere. Their, yep, from, from all kinds of sports. And their boys um, will be in the Open Division Finals uh, Friday night. And we'll be there. We will be there covering that and the girls' game. We'll be at the girls' game. Right. So Sierra Canyon plays Modern Day in the boys' Open Division Final. And Windward, who we've been covering, especially their star freshman player. Juju. Juju Watkins. Um, and that leads us to an interview that's coming up with the Windward Athletic Director, Tyrone Powell. Yep. And can't wait for that one. And Windward, man, that is a good team. There, Juju Watkins is only a freshman, and she is just phenomenal. In a line She's of be great in the WBA. players. Line of great players from Windward. Um, also, tomorrow uh, is Thursday that this uh, episode had just dropped, so you'll probably miss this, but I'm really excited because we got a big interview that we're doing over at the Coffee Company, a restaurant near our studio in Westchester with Norm Bass. Yeah, it's one of our first uh, remote locations that we're just filming or doing an interview with. Right in the middle of the restaurant. Yeah, Norm is an incredible person that I had no idea about until you started talking to me about him. Yeah, so he's he's 80, 81 years old, but Norm played professional um, baseball and football. Um, he was the first African-American to do so and then was run out of the game uh, by severe arthritis and, but reinvented himself much later in life as a Paralympian Crazy. winning a bronze medal in the Sydney Games. So he, he, he's an intense and, and, and a fun story. He's Look a fun forward guy. forward to that interview, guys. Finally, this Saturday, uh, if anybody wants to be there, the Hank Gather statue at Loyola Marymount University will be dedicated on the campus. That starts at 4 o'clock, and there'll be a game honoring the 1990 team starting to fight. And throwback jerseys. Throwback jerseys. They'll honor the team at halftime. That 1990 team was one of the most electric uh, times in sports, especially in, in our area. They made a run all the way to the final eight. And so that'll be real exciting. And that precedes an interview with Wayne Boley, who was the lead attorney uh, for Loyola Marymount in the Hank Gathers case. So that should be a lot of fun. We'll keep you up to speed on social media so you can follow us and join us whenever we are recording a story. Make sure you subscribe, like, and follow us on all social media platforms. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Now it's time for an installment of As Time Goes By, where we get to know Carlos Haro Jr. of Casablanca Restaurant in Venice one minute at a time. Remember, if you mention sports stories with Denny Lennon to either Carlos Sr. or Carlos Jr. while you dine at Casablanca, you get a free dessert. Now let's play it again with Carlos Jr., Carlos, um, tell me, where were you born? What school did you go to before St. Mark? And, uh, and also, um, I know sports are a big part of your life. Um, so tell me how you were introduced to sports. Sure. Uh, so I was born in Mexico, came in when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the Santa Monica Grant School. And then my mom worried that I was getting too much trouble. Mm. And she said, "What better than put him in a Catholic school? Because that's what moms, <laughs> you know, Mexican moms think the uh, the Catholicism is going to take everything bad about you." So that's how I ended up at St. Mark's. Uh, my dad, at early age, brought sports, so sports became really uh, kind of like the link. The I think like every father and son, it was the the link. Like that mm-hmm. was the one thing my dad would always have time. Let's go to the mm. Dodger game. Let's go to the Laker game. Uh, in that time, that was kind of our link. So uh, sports became the one thing I could always talk to my father about, and that. Mm. So then I ended up playing it, and then little by little, like, oh, okay, I really like being with uh, guys, having a practice, having the regimen, and uh, so that's why I still thought sports were really important because it gave me like a kind of structure that I needed yeah. at that time more than I think Catholicism did. It was the structure <laughs> of sports that actually probably helped me out more than anything else.
Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Marley Rice, edited by Bob McCall, and researched by Teresa Dolan. Additional staff include Christine Jimbo, Jake Downey, Ray Castro, and Buck Magic Lennon. There's a new revolution going on. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. A new episode every Thursday. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Check it out, book! <laughs>